Wretched Radio begins in three, two, one. Evolution is more than a theory. It is a fundamental scientific principle. You know, there's a scientific term for that. It's called baloney. We are so stupid that we think that just because telephones and computers and cars are intelligently designed, that means we are too. Well, we're not. I don't trust that Richard Dawkins. In the beginning, God created heaven and the earth. Is the only logical explanation, unless you don't want to believe in science and logic. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Challenge accepted. This is Wretched Radio. Do you remember a TV series called 60 Minutes? It was all the rage once upon a time. Didn't know it was still in business, but lo and behold, it is. And it interviewed the relatively new president of the Southern Baptist Convention. His name is Bart Barber. And whilst he shared, that's right, I said whilst. I just fell in to King James Version only language. Whilst he said many things that we're going to hear that I think we can cheer for, he laid down a bit of a critique, and I want to accept his challenge to consider how is it that we engage in this world at this time. This is the president of the SBC, and you'll hear Anderson Cooper who must have struggled mightily with this interview, chirp in. So many things in church life and beyond that are areas where we have an opportunity to to unite, solve problems, and we pass over that opportunity over and over again to shoot at the other team. And you see that filtering into the church. And it's absolutely coming into the way that people in churches who ought to know better are speaking to one another about the, the issues that are outside the church that aren't really theological, the best characterization is they're not listening. Whether we are listening or not, I would like to focus on our talking. How do we speak? If you and I are not wrestling with this, it is my contention. Here's the premise. If you and I are not considering how it is that we are speaking a light into darkness, we are most certainly doing it wrong. That's right. I said most certainly. Why? Because there is such a biblical panoply of emotional, dictional ways that we can speak to the world. Consider the range that we have inside of the Bible alone. You've got yourself Elijah taunting the prophets. You've got Jesus being tender. Oh, Mary. You've got John the Baptist speaking quite severely. You've got Jeremiah weeping. How are we supposed to talk today? We must consider it. Otherwise, I think we're biffing it. Let me try to make my case. Jimmy, you be the judge. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. Order in the court. Are you prepared for your most onerous responsibility to represent the tens and tens of people who are listening to this year wretched radio program? Absolutely. It's enthusiasm like that, Jimmy, <laughs> that's going to take us to the top Man, I love, of this radio broadcasting heap. I love judging. <laughs> <laughs> well, you go ahead and judge, but we'll be judging your judging. <laughs> okay, that's, that's fair the, enough. That's the stew we brew around here. <laughs> Here's a wide. So if I have to ask you, Jimmy, pick a word to describe how it is that you and I should be talking to a very lost, confused, totally upside down, downright satanic world. Pick one. You get one. Pick one word. Yeah. Um, Direct. Okay. Directly. Yeah. All right. 
In some Bible instances, we see less than direct speech. We see parabolic speech. So we see both. So how do we know which one it should be? Here's some more options for you. You can be in a conversation passive, just kind of letting it go, not responding to every single dopey thing somebody says. On the other hand, you can be aggressive. You can even be silent, not saying anything in a conversation, or you can just, you can be like Paul when, oh, what was the name of the boy who felt Eutychus, the boy who fell out the window because Paul was going on and on and on and on. You can be empathetical. You can be patient. You can be stern. You can be aggressive. There are So many ways that you and I can speak, which is why I suggest if we aren't at least talking about it, we're probably not getting the tone of it right because it is crucial. And by the way, tone and words aren't necessarily separated. You need one to have the other. But how it is that you and I say to a world that is bobsledding and setting a world record toward depravity What do we say to this world? There are absolutely times when we must speak like this. There might be some other times when it's a little softer. Now, as we go about the business of attempting to try to figure out how it is that we should be speaking, just consider how you and I might make different decisions. That means Jimmy... He might make a decision about tone that's different than mine. And here's where we find ourselves in hot water in the church, because he said it a different way than I would say it. Therefore, I'm going to have to turn on him. (laughs) That's true. And he's going to have to turn up because I'm not severe enough. He's too stern. I'm too. He's too. Why don't they? I think if nothing else. This will encourage us to perhaps practice a little more patience with one another. If you didn't notice, conservative Bible-based circles are being torn asunder. That's right. I said torn asunder, being shredded relationships. When you talk about the issue, you, you talk like this. And I think you should be talking like that. And we're dividing over such things? Because somebody perhaps misjudged the tone or they misjudged the moment. You and I are going to struggle. At least we should be struggling with this. And if we aren't aware that it is a struggle, you and I are going to be firing away in a circular firing squad until you are the man on the island with three huts. That's right. I'm using that joke again because it might be the funniest joke in the world. Man is stuck on a desert island all by himself. Finally gets rescued by a captain who comes ashore with his rescue party. And he sees that there's three shacks. Well, not like, you know, William P. Young shacks. Three little huts that are there. What are those? Well, that's my house. That's my church. And that's my old church. (laughs) here's my premise jimmy and i don't don't, i'll I'll just tell you up front i don't think it's right but it might at least be helpful how do we speak without sounding angry now 
I think we can sound righteously angry. Be angry, but sin not. That ain't easy. So how do I do that? I'm going to share this principle, and I think it's just a principle that doesn't apply in every circumstance regarding every headline that you read about, every conversation that you have at the water cooler. But at least it's a a principle, but not a perfect one by any means. Speak dispassionately. Offer what you have to say rather matter-of-factly. And I don't like the rule already. So, Jimmy, you're the judge of this shebang. What do you think of my rule? I, I like it. But it doesn't work in all circumstances. No, it doesn't. But I don't know. Um, the matter of factly part, for sure. I mean, well, but isn't I mean, I have got a slew. And when I use the word slew, I do so intentionally. I have a slew of stories about what we are doing right now to children. Hmm. That we are mutilating them. The statistic. Do you know how much of an increase we've seen? I believe it was from 2016 to 2019. It's like a 380% increase in the number of chest reconstruction surgeries we're doing. You mean mutilating children? Is that what you call reconstruction? Is that like reproductive health? It's up almost 400%. That represents, I think, give or take, this is 2019. I think it's the the trend is growing because it's the cool thing. Once upon a time, you were cool at school if you were a jock. You were a football player or a cheerleader. You scored the most goals at the basketball game. That's right, the most goals at the basketball game. That's the cool click. No mas. The cool click are those who have so much courage to reveal their sexuality or their gender preference. That's the cool group. And so it's growing the desire to be something else because it does get attention. And let's be honest, you remember the peer pressure from school, don't you? To not be the cool or at least sort of at least be on talking terms with the cool people. That was just devastating. And so now young people see an opportunity to be super cool, to be in the gender confused clique, and they're getting their bodies mutilated. And there are adults who are participating. (sighs) Well, there's a 389% increase in what we're calling breast reconstruction surgeries. These are children who are confused about their job. Okay, I'm being matter-of-factly, but it doesn't seem appropriate now, does it? Oh, well. The moral to this story, if you and I aren't at least contemplating how we're engaging with the world, chances are really good. In fact, I think downright perfect. We're probably... Blowing it. We will continue listening to the new prez of the SBC on 60 Minutes next on Wretched Radio. Hey, isn't this groovy? Dozens of crisis pregnancy centers have been vandalized or set on fire because of the Roe v. Wade decision. A pre-born center in Buffalo was firebombed. A pre-born clinic in Gresham, Oregon was hit with an 
incendiary device, a preborn clinic in Miami, vandalized, and they're receiving bomb threats. In other words, the battle for life is becoming a battle for life, and yet the preborn centers continue to open. Support organizations like preborn and like your local pregnancy clinic that are unwaveringly and without fear opening again today offering free loving Christ-centered alternatives to these young women. Be part of the solution. Please join the uh, literal battle for life. Preborn.org slash wretched. Preborn.org slash wretched. In November 2020, Tim Challies and his wife Aileen received the phone call every parent dreads. Their 20-year-old son Nick, while away at seminary, collapsed and died. As Tim and his wife traveled to Louisville, Tim began to do the only thing he knew to do to process his loss. He began to write. And now all of his writings, some of which have been shared publicly, some not until now for the first time, have all been compiled into his latest book, Seasons of Sorrow, The Pain of Loss and the Comfort of God. Seasons of Sorrow is a book for anyone that is loved and lost. It benefits those that are working through sorrow or those that are comforting others. You'll not only see how God is sovereign over loss, but how good he is in those moments. You'll discover how to pass through times of grief while keeping your faith, and you'll learn biblical doctrine can work itself out even in life's most difficult situations. Seasons of Sorrow, available now in the Wretched Store at wretched.org. 200. That's right. 200 Tomorrow Clubs are now up and running again in Ukraine. That means kids are hearing the gospel. They're getting saved. Their parents are getting saved. The church is getting strengthened. Not only are the Tomorrow Clubs busy preaching the gospel, they're also very busy helping people. This is our buddy Max in Ukraine. We have created the Ukraine Support Fund. Thanks to our partners, Tomorrow Clubs began immediate assistance to the network over the local churches, it became a safe place for thousands of refugees fleeing their devastated homes. Providing food, providing clothing, potable water, a safe place, communication. Would you please consider becoming a ministry partner of the amazing ministry called Tomorrow Clubs? You can learn how you could participate in the spreading of the gospel in Eastern Europe at tomorrowclubs.org wretched. Important dates in Christian history. 387 AD. Augustine of Hippo is converted. His writings became bedrock for the Middle Ages and were influential in the Reformation. The Confessions and City of God are still read by many. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. And in other news, a young lady gets her face smashed in by a volleyball. Back to you, Jimmy. What? This is Wretched Radio in North Carolina. A fellow who thinks he's a goyle joined the girls' volleyball team. Where are the adults? Honestly, how hard is this? This individual must have spiked one. So blazingly hard, a girl, an actual girl on the other team had her face hit, concussion symptoms, head and neck injuries. 
The coach said, I've never seen a ball fly faster in 40 years of coaching girls volleyball. Well, that's because for 40 years we had an understanding there's a difference between boys and girls. And boys shouldn't be playing against the girls because there is a physical disadvantage and somebody's going to get hurt. Furthermore, girls should be competing against girls because that would be at least Fair. Now, there's some people more gifted than others, but at least it's fair based on biology and design. And yet we're at the point now where we say, no, no, we'll let the we'll let the dudes play with the chicks. No problem. Well, problem. This girl got hurt. She's not the first female athlete to take a beating from a male who's very confused. It is happening somewhat regularly, and I suspect it will be on the uptick as more guys do that. And we now, as Christians, have a decision to make. How am I going to respond and speak about such issues? How am I going to talk about the foolish adults who let a young man play on a girls' volleyball team? They're, they're, they're... Insane. It's just insanity. Furthermore, it's insanity that the number of people who are having their bodies mutilated is up about 400%. There are individuals who accumulated hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt, getting themselves a medical degree they could hang on the wall so that they could take their surgical skills and a scalpel and mutilate kids. Kids, by the way. It is worse with kids, but we should be outraged that it's happening to adults also because they're they're also just confused and downright lost. How now shall we speak? I was actually glad. I don't know what every speaker said. I don't know the tone, but I was very grateful. Matt Walsh actually decided to use his reach to hold a rally at the Nashville State Capitol. October the 21st. Jimmy, how's about them Vols? Don't ask me about them. You're from Tennessee. You've got to love the Vols. No, I do not. I'm not. uh Uh-uh. No. Mm -hmm. I don't hate the Vols. I I, I have a. Wow. I think you do. Jimmy, we can talk about this afterwards. I have bad blood with ball fans. Ah. (laughs) They're so obnoxious. (laughs) Wow. They just tear down the poles. Well, and amongst other things. And then use it as a fundraising drive. Come on. (laughs) You've got enough money in the bank to buy new uprights. Matt Walsh held a rally. It's called Rally to End Child Mutilation. I think that's an excellent title. It speaks strongly. It describes exactly what it is. At the Tennessee State Capitol, quote, we're here to fulfill one of our most fundamental obligations as Americans, as adults, as human beings, and that is to protect our children. That is why we're here. Armed protesters, they're saying it's either uh, BLM or the Proud Boys. Why do I just cringe every time I hear Proud Boys? There's something about that. I don't even know that much about him but there's something about being called the brown boys apparently were there protesting i watched a couple of the clips i don't mind telling you some of the expressions of disdain that were coming from the protesters sounded a lot like what's the word i'm looking for beelzebub 
It's like they were manifesting demons. They weren't just chanting and yelling. They were vulgar and swearing and all of that. But some of them were just whatever you would imagine a demonic scream to sound like. That, that's that what that's what was emanating from these people. It was a little bit frightening. Now I don't know the tone that was used by every speaker at this rally. I didn't listen to any of the speeches. I do have to say I appreciate the desire, the rally to end child mutilation. Why? Because it's becoming a pandemic. Headline, how big tech turns kids trans research shows that the majority of those who transition were persuaded to do so online through social media, blogs and YouTube. That means when you go and see these videos and run into them, you have an opportunity to comment below. What are you going to say? What are you going to write? What are the words you're going to use? Are you going to take the time to proof it before you sling it out there? See, I think we should be slinging but I, I want to make sure that we don't do it in a way that isn't biblical. I don't even want to say off-putting because this world is put off by any critique whatsoever. So I have to be careful to not listen to the shouts of the protesters. You're being mean. You're being cruel. Now, I don't want to dismiss them because I don't want to be mean and cruel. But I want to try to determine by the Bible standards, how now shall we Speak, because this is the time to speak. Honestly, top national school psychologist, part of a group that offers to resettle gay kids with new parents. <laughs> These people are insane. They've lost their minds. The chair of the National Association of School Psychologists, LGBTQ1, LGBTQ I? Is that inclusive? Uh, I'm not real sure. Two. Now it's got the number two. <laughs> Who can keep up with such things? <laughs> Wait a second. It's LGBTQI2-S committee. <laughs> Could you just come up with a name? Call it Flower Power Bunch. Whatever. <laughs> just something we can not have to memorize. It's the Liber the Pride Liberation Project determines that it's best to rehome students who did not like their parents as well as pay them money and have an adult pick them up to take them to their new lives. It also said the group could provide false documentation to hide children's whereabouts while they participated in gay activities. Cool! The National Association of School Psychologists Chair, part of that group, in the event of you needing to leave your home, it states, we can provide you with emergency housing from a supportive, queer-friendly adult. We will work with other support, supportive adult organizations in the region to find you someone who can provide you a kind and affirming home. <laughs> How can we say nothing? How can we sit by idly? This is like watching. Let's let's just put ourselves in a different context. You are in a foreign land and there is a powerful group of people that comes in and puts other people in shackles and then marches them off to slavery. In other words, they man steal. What would you do? Just sit there? Would you just talk about it like 
this? Or do we Christians have a duty to say, stop, wrong, even with a willingness to lay down our lives for others? I get it. You and I are so baked into this culture that is so filled with affluence and ease that the idea of losing a job or getting kicked out of school, it just feels like too high of a price to pay. But I got to tell you, at some point, aren't we going to become a, I hate to use the reference point, but haven't we seen in the 20th century in nations where there's a fascist dictator who is trying to subjugate people or just exterminate an entire people group, haven't you looked back and gone, why didn't they say anything? What were, what were they doing there exactly? Going about their business is what they were doing. And you and I look back on it and go, that was an atrocity. I can't believe those people who identify themselves as Christians did nothing. And I think that's where we are, because I think in 50, 75 years, if there are still any people with some sanity, they're going to look back and ask, where were the Christians during all of this? Now, I know our numbers are dwindling. I get it. Most people aren't Christian who say that they are. Just saw another, I think it was a Rasmussen poll. 25, give or take, 25% of people go to church at least once a month or to their religious building. 25%. Once a month. What do you think it is weekly? <laughs> I know our numbers are dwindling, but that's irrelevant, isn't it? Isn't it perhaps past time that you and I wrestle with? All right, this ain't easy. I get that. It's, and it's, it can be risky and there can be a price to pay. But ultimately, we are seeing young people and older people who are very confused stagger to the slaughter. You and I need to stand and speak. And before we do, we need to wrestle with how am I going to talk about this? What adjectives do I use? Because I want to make sure that I speak truth in love. And that ain't no easy deal. This is Wretched Radio. This is Wretched Radio, and I'm Jimmy Hicks. So student loan forgiveness has been one of the most controversial and highly debated topics over the last month or so. School, if you qualify for a Pell Grant, you qualify for $20,000 in debt forgiveness. Secondly, if you don't have one of those loans, you just get 10000 written off. It's passed. I got it passed by a vote or two. Yeah, Congress didn't pass that one. That one was an executive order, Joe, and it was all on you. You might remember in 2017, Kathy Miller, who is a Christian baker in Bakersfield, California, was sued because she refused to bake a cake for a lesbian wedding under a 1959 California civil rights law. Five years later, in 2022, Miller has been vindicated because a California court ruled in her favor last week and ruled against the California Department of Fair Housing and Employment, which actually brought the lawsuit against her. And this First Amendment victory was a long time coming for Miller. All right, so I don't get this trend that's happening right now at all. Maybe somebody can let me know why this is happening. In this latest instance, a pair of German protesters protesting climate change threw mashed potatoes on Claude Monet's haystacks, which last sold for $110 million and was on display at the Barberini Museum. They were actually caught on camera because they wanted to be caught on camera, but this isn't the only instance. Earlier this year, a man dressed as a woman in a wheelchair threw a cake on the Mona Lisa 
to protest climate change. And tomato soup was thrown on Van Gogh's sunflowers in London. While also last week, climate protesters smashed pies in the face of King Charles at the London Wax Museum. And I'm sure there are other examples that I'm forgetting, but I, I don't get why this is happening. In a health department announcement from New York City, they say, quote, Moving forward, the health department will refer to monkeypox as MPV. The previous name is an inaccurate and stigmatizing label for a virus that is primarily affecting a community that has already suffered a long history of bigotry. So, New York City is renaming monkeypox to MPV because monkeypox is offensive to LGBT people. Okay, so I don't know if it really is offensive to LGBT people or not. But isn't there something more worthwhile to spend your time and money on? Part of the Republican playbook, as you well know, is to point a finger and say large, diverse cities are lawless. Those of you in the press are students of history. What we see here is the same old playbook, which is about coded and racist messaging. So if you happen to say that diverse cities are experiencing pretty high crime rates, then you're sending racial messaging. Also, something else that he said that I don't agree with is that members of the press are students of history. No, I would say that a big majority of them are ignorers of history. Not all of them, a big majority of them. More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Books of the Bible. First Samuel tells the story of God's interaction with Israel through the prophet Samuel. When Israel asked for an earthly king, God gave them Saul, who, like Israel, drifted from God's law. So God commanded Samuel to anoint a new king, David, who was a man after God's heart. God does not look on the outward appearance, but on the heart. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. If Jimmy would quit interrupting, uh, this is Wretched Radio. Jimmy, just zip, zip, zip it. Want to listen to Bart Barber. He's the new president of the Southern Baptist Convention. Friel, you promised this segments ago. Want to listen to his interview with Anderson Cooper on 60 Minutes. Many things that he said, it's like, way to go, dude. Speaking up. Speaking truth. Now, earlier in the interview, you may recall, he said that we Christians are biffinate. And (laughs) I think in large part we are when it comes to speaking to the culture, what our message is, how we deliver a tone, all of those elements of speaking truth and love. He said, we're not doing a very good job. So let's listen on two levels to the new president of the SBC. Is he speaking truth and is he doing it lovingly? We're committed to the idea of gender as a gift from God. We're committed to the idea that men and women ought to be united with one another in marriage. Do you still believe that gay people can be, should be converted out of being gay? I believe that sinners should be converted out of being sinners, and that applies to all of us. Can somebody be a good Christian, a member of the Southern Baptist Convention, and be gay or lesbian and married to a person of the same sex? No. Way to go, dude. He said it right to a guy who practices that lifestyle. Jimmy, I think his tone was pretty good. I I do, too. Seems like a pleasant enough fellow. I don't know all of his theology, but he seems like a pleasant enough fellow. This is his take on the abortion issue. Our interest with abortion is not... It's not to police everybody's sex life. Uh, Our interest with abortion is that we believe that's a human person. 
who deserves to live. There was just a case recently, a 10-year-old girl who was raped from having an abortion in Ohio. Of course, let's bring out the most extreme example so that we can undermine the entire premise. Was able to obtain one in in Indiana. And this is a, a little girl who she has a right to life, too. Sure. <laughs> Even in that case, you think she should have the child. I do. She should be forced to have the child. I, I think um, I don't want that to sound like I don't have tremendous compassion for her and her circumstance. I wish we could put an end to 10-year-olds being raped. I'm, I'm trying to work against child sexual abuse because I think that's atrocious. But you don't see forcing a 10-year-old child to go to term with a, a baby that, from rape as abuse of a child. I see it as horrible. I see it as preferable to killing someone else. I think the tone on that is great, but I do believe we always do well in these circumstances to turn the tables and ask some questions in return. Anderson, may I ask you, when a woman experiences that wicked trauma and she find herself, finds herself pregnant, what is inside of that woman? Because the question is always, what is it? It always must come back to that. Because you can hear from Anderson's tone, it's like, well, come on, such a horrific circumstance. It justifies what? The intentional taking of an innocent human life. By the way, if you happen to be in the UK and you like going out to abortion centers, be careful. There's new bubble zones. That's right. There are new bubble zones that prohibit pro-lifers from praying outside of abortuaries. Isn't that cool? The justification is that pro-lifers are harassing both women and abortion clinic staff. So here's some examples of harassment, according to the folks who decided that we need bubbles in the UK. Examples of harassment cited as reasons the zone was necessary include women being told, these people are such jerks. I wonder why they want a bubble. These people were saying, you're Baby loves you. That's pretty wicked. That's pretty harassing right there. Pro-lifers holding plastic fetal models, offering pamphlets, referring to the women as mummy, and offering baby clothes. These heath, these wicked, abominable, pro-life people offering clothing to their children. Any of those people doing such things will be subject to a 100-pound fine and charges at a magistrate's court. Here are the things that you can no longer do outside of an abortion clinic in a free speech bubble, buffer zone. By the way, this is in Bournemouth, I'm sorry, Bournemouth, England. You can't hold a vigil. You can't pray. You can't recite scripture. You can't cross yourself if you perceive a service user is passing by. A service user, that's nifty. And absolutely no counseling. Additionally, no text or images relating directly or indirectly to the termination of pregnancy and or playing amplified music, voice, or audio recordings. That's Great Britain. Right there as the babies stagger to the slaughter. We're put in a little buffer zone, which is why we need to always bring the conversation back to what is inside of that woman. By the way, speaking of the life issue and really wicked people, Stacey Abrams just can't seem to stop. 
when it comes to the abortion issue. She <laughs> she was asked about the economy and the prices of gas and a loaf of bread. And do you know what she believes will actually bring inflation prices down? Abortions. Because these women, they can't afford these babies. So we need free legal access to reproductive health care in order to stimulate the economy. Now, in what universe does that work? Well, in the land of Cuckooville, that's where it works. But it doesn't work in the realm of reality. And yet, she wants to be the governor, the chief executive in the state of Georgia. In the meantime, the chief, chief executive of the Southern Baptist Convention, his name is Bart Barber. He was on 60 Minutes with Anderson Cooper. And he was talking about all kinds of stuff. And it wouldn't surprise you that Anderson Cooper, of course, turned the conversation toward the subject of sex abuse allegations in the SBC. We didn't just ignore them. Sometimes we impugn their motives. Sometimes we attack them. The reason why I'm president of the Southern Baptist Convention is because our churches do not agree with that and have taken action to correct those things. Well, good. As well, they should. I have strong feelings about this. I'm, it's not just anger, although I'm angry about it. God called me to be a pastor when I was 11. I believe in this. For people to sully this hurts me. I'm not doing this to try to accomplish some PR objective for us. I'm doing this because I want to serve God well. Pretty passionate fellow, the Bart Barber. Speaking to Anderson Cooper, the subject then turned, why not, toward politics. Do you believe the 2020 election was stolen? No. You believe Joe Biden is the legitimate president of the United States? I do. Absolutely. I pray for him consistently as the president of the United States. I believe he was legitimately elected. Well, that could divide the SBC right there. <laughs> well, nah, nothing seems to divide the SBC including the ordination of three women pastors at an SBC megachurch. Yeah, I've, I did not vote for President Trump in 2016. And that lays out my rationale for that pretty well. What was the evilness that you saw? The way he treated women that had been documented at that point. Uh, yep, this will definitely hurt him with the SBC. I thought that uh, a lot of the rhetoric about immigration was wrongful. A lot of Southern Baptists thought that the rhetoric about immigration was wrongful. Talking about legal immigration. Talking about legal immigration. You embrace it. I embrace it. I'm, I'm thankful for people who have immigrated. I live in Texas. I'm surrounded by people who are intermarried into our families. They make our community better. Correct me if I'm wrong. In 2020, you did vote for Donald Trump. Part of what changed is that um, the president advocated for some legislation on uh, sentencing reform, uh, something that really addressed some injustice that affected uh, minority communities. I was encouraged by the consistent pro-life support that the president gave. I didn't expect that. I'm glad he mentioned the pro-life part because, yeah, that's kind of important. Not sure what legislation he's referring to, but Bart Barber, SBC, mm, I'm not sure that that won him fans with a lot of the uh, SBC members. I, and I think a lot of Southern Baptists, would be thrilled to have the opportunity to support someone for leadership in our country 
who's strong on the values that matter to us, who can do that without putting the vice president's life in danger. You would be hard pressed to vote. Well, that was that was a shot right there for somebody who put his vice president's life in danger. Yes. Donald Trump did invite and incite and encourage a mob of people to march on the Capitol. I'll just say this. I want to be driven by the principles of Jesus Christ. And uh, that does not involve mob violence. I, I don't I don't support that. Anyone who does support that, uh, I'm less likely to vote for them because of their support for that. If Mike Pence ran in a primary, you would vote for him in a primary? There is nothing that would prevent me from voting for Mike Pence in a primary. Well, there goes half of the convention. <laughs> this is Wretched Radio. Hmm, something is happening in the Philippines. Wait, I know what it is. Jesus is building his church. Please meet Pastor Kitu Espiritu from the Master's Academy International in the Philippines. Your support allows us to fill pulpits and transform lives. Pastors are being equipped to rightly divide the truth. People in the Philippines are hearing the truth rightly preached and coming to know the saving grace of Jesus Christ. Jesus is on the march in the Philippines. Souls are being being saved, churches are being built, and yet there are too many empty pulpits. And that is where you come in. Would you please consider filling an empty pulpit in the Philippines so that people can hear the word rightly divided? The Masters Academy International training pastors to do just that in the Philippines and 17 other nations. To learn more, please visit wretched.org slash pastor, wretched.org slash pastor. Hey, thanks for listening to Wretched Radio today. Here's a fun fact. Did you know Todd also hosts a daily TV program? Yep, that's right. Wretched TV is a daily 30-minute program containing live witnessing encounters, conversations about tough theological issues, and like a jillion other things. And you can find Wretched TV pretty much everywhere. It's airing on over 135 Christian TV networks. You'll also find the show on streaming services like Roku, American Gospel TV, Answers in Genesis TV, Amazon Fire TV, and as always, the very trustworthy and reliable wretched.org. This, of course, is only possible because of our gospel partners. It's through their kindness and generosity and commitment to the gospel that we're able to reach millions of people all over the world every year. And so can I ask you to please pray about partnering with us in our efforts to preach the gospel, equip the saints, and strengthen the local church. You can find out more about becoming a Wretched Gospel Partner at wretched.org slash donate. Yes, you want to save money because after all, you're a Christian and that's what we want to do. Save money, but never at the expense of our families, health, and peace of mind should a family member fall ill. That is why I'd like to commend you, MediShare, the gold standard of healthcare sharing. You will save on average $500 per month as a family. How much will you save? It takes two minutes. 844-34-BIBLE. And if you think this isn't very good, you get free telehealth services with MediShare, a huge network of doctors with MediShare, and great customer support. And fellow Christians will pray for you. MediShare, 400,000 members strong. Peace of mind and savings. Simply call 844-34-BIBLE. 844-34-BIBLE.
vital part of biblical hermeneutics is an understanding of genre. One genre we find in Scripture is an epistle. Epistles are letters written to the church at large or to a specific church which contain doctrine, theological arguments, and practical application. God uses first century correspondence to deliver His timeless truth. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. That's right. You're listening to The Tone Police. This is Wretched Radio. I'm trying to noodle through how now we should be speaking to a wicked culture, a depraved culture, a satanic culture. It ain't easy because we are given many options. We can speak in a lot of different ways based on the setting, based on the audience, for these days, it gets tricky, doesn't it? Let's just say you're Matt Walsh and you're at the Stop the Child Mutilation rally in Nashville. And you want to speak to a crowd of people who have assembled to put an end to this barbaric practice. How would you speak? Probably pretty forcefully. But these days, it's getting recorded and it's being put on YouTube. And so people who are trans are going to hear this. Well, I've got to consider that. I'm not sure that it should be in the driver's seat, but I should be considering that. In other words, it ain't easy. So let's use Bart Barber. <laughs> Shall we? He's the president of the Southern Baptist Convention. He was interviewed by Anderson Cooper on 60 Minutes. I think he did a fine job on the abortion issue. I think he did a fine job on the marriage issue. I think he did a fine job in talking about the sex abuse scandals of the SBC. Then it gets into political territory, and I suspect not everybody is going to jump for joy with what Bart Barber had to say. But we can listen to his tone and perhaps learn a lesson. Jimmy, do you think that he's following my violatable principle that we should be speaking matter-of-factly? I think so. Seems like he is. Yeah, I think so. I, I think that's got to come from a place of a growing in compassion for people so that we don't speak meanly. Bart Barber asked, of course, by Anderson Cooper, hey, what about this Christian nationalism business? You are part of that racket. It stands contrary to 400 years of Baptist history and everything I believe about religious liberty. I'm opposed to the idea of Christian dominion, churchly dominion over the operations of government. Why do you object to that? Okay. Uh, I object to it because Jesus said his kingdom is not of this world. I object to it because historically, every time it's been adopted, it wound up persecuting people like me doesn't stop at persecuting people who are not Christians. It eventually winds up persecuting people who are Christians for whom the flavor of their Christianity is different from that of the government. That's a pretty good historical answer right there, because that is true. When one religious power group, they assume power, they tend to flex that muscle against those who are not of their particular theological stripe. Which is why when I hear people say, well, we need to have Christians implementing Christian policies, I think there's a part in all of us that says, yeah, yeah. Historically, what we've seen in very short order, those decisions probably aren't going to be yours real soon because there are such theological differences. What if it's the Methodists, the Episcopalians, the liberal Lutherans that assume power? 
that we're going to we're going to have a dog's breakfast on our hands. What if it's somebody who actually would they would go so far to say, if you're born in this nation, you're born as a Christian. You say, well, that's preposterous. It didn't used to be preposterous. That's the way that it used to be. Thank you, Constantine. All the way throughout the Holy Roman Empire, you're born into that province and that is your faith. What will we do if that theological Christian stripe is in power? So Bart Barber seemingly having a handle on the history of religion and politics. Now, I don't know where he goes beyond that. I doubt that Anderson Cooper would have the ability to go to that place and ask the right questions. What is the role of the Christian, our Christian faith and politics? What is the intersection? Uh, How do we engage in that particular realm when we don't want to sully the testimony of Christ and his kingdom? He didn't get into any of that. So perhaps another time he'll be invited back on 60 Minutes. Back to Donald Trump we go because... It seems that liberal media outlets just can't get enough of the fellow. I'm not even going to speculate about that. Who are the other choices? Ahead of the election in 2016, you said who you were going to vote for. In 2020, you said who you voted for. Now you're not saying who you'd vote for. That's correct. Somebody seeing this is going to think, okay, well, that's, that's, now? that's political. It's not political. Cal- I, I'm hoping that he's going to say that decisions can be made in time and they can change based on circumstances, and that doesn't mean that you're morally incorrect. It just means that there's new information. You used to have this many choices. Now you've only got that many choices, and you make a decision based on reality. Let's see what the Prez said. The fact that in 2016 I could say something I was speaking only for myself, and now, um, you know, uh, 50,000 churches of people I love are represented by me when I speak. And so... um, do I feel a sense of needing to be more wise and careful about things that I say now? Absolutely, I do. Well, I wish that that had been a little bit different. I get it. He doesn't want to speak on behalf of the denomination, sorry, the convention. And that would be perceived that way because he is the pres. Now, if you're SBC, you know what that actually means, what his authority limits are, not how the world sees it. They would go, okay, the SBC endorses fill in the blank. I I wish that he had said a little something different. Furthermore, let's see. We're going to find out together. I'm hoping that he would say, I want to vote for the candidate who is most in favor of life, marriage, and not mutilating children. The evangelicals sold their soul in order to support Donald Trump. First of all, I think we had to choose from the choices that were given to us. And that's um, that's. That's an inescapable reality in our political system. But there's a lot of evangelical support for Donald Trump that goes beyond just somebody holding their nose and saying, well, I have these two choices, so I'm going to vote for this person. There are, I'm telling you, there are also a lot of people who articulate what I've just said. I just think that under President Trump, they saw less backtracking on the things that were promised to them. I do think that Americans are hungry for strong leadership. I think that there's opportunity for strong leaders to emerge who give us better choices. I'm praying for that. Mm, I think we all are. That would be the voice of Bart Barber appearing on the 60 Minutes. Who knew they were still in business program? Anderson Cooper, the interviewer. Jimmy, give the pres a grade. Tone-wise. Tone-wise, I give him an A. 
Okay, now, what if, and I'm just saying, what if, Anderson Cooper asked those questions of a different SBC pres, mm-hmm. and it was the subject of, of um, Christian, now let's do, let's do the easier one. Let's do the marriage issue. Uh-huh. Marriage is a sake. People are sullying this instant. The whole country is going to go down the tubes if we do not get this right regarding how can we think as a society that we are going to and the people who want to undermine it are evil. Now, I don't think anything that I just said, even though I was cutting myself off, I don't think anything I said was wrong. No, it wasn't wrong. But yeah, it maybe wasn't delivered in a way that would cause people to, I don't know, actually hear what we have to say. I do agree with Bart. I sure hope we get better leaders in Congress. Why? Well, I'm glad you asked. Congressional Democrats prepare resolutions to defend pornographic books for children. Cool. It's a symbolic effort, but nevertheless, it's an effort endorsed by the American Federation of Teachers and National Education Association. A congressperson from Maryland, experiencing inverted reality, issued a statement declaring that the wave of book bans that has swept across our country in recent years is a direct attack on First Amendment rights (laughs) and should alarm every American who believes that freedom of expression is a fundamental pillar of our, here it comes, our democracy, because if you agree, disagree with the people in power, you are undermining democracy. Inverted reality. Efforts to remove books from public schools and libraries simply because they introduce ideas about diversity or challenge students to think beyond their own lived experience. In other words, what their parents taught them is not only anti-democratic, but is a hallmark of authoritarian regimes. Oh, I see. Which is why uh, you can actually go to the John Milton section at the public school with all the copies of Pilgrim's Progress that they have available. Nope, they don't. Why do I love the idea of more moral politicians that don't impose a theological stripe but use their Christian convictions to vote as wisely as they can? The Pentagon is going to pay for service members to travel to obtain abortions. That's our military. School board doesn't seem to have a problem with Mr. Powell's growing belly. You heard me. Mr. Powell is the teacher of a grade school who is pregnant. We wanted to take an opportunity to share some exciting news with you, though you've already noted Mr. Powell's growing belly. He's expecting a kiddo in mid-January. A kiddo. See what we did there? It's how you should talk to your kids about it. 18 months to three years, this was directed at. (laughs) So to the president of the SBC, I agree with you. We sure do need some better leaders. Until tomorrow, go serve your king.